Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast, a community of caring. I am Jamie Truman, your host. I'm one of the co-founders of Truman Charities. Our organization has raised over $1 million for several different charities as we share our message of helping others and paying it forward. We plan to continue to educate our audience on the culture of giving. On this podcast, I will interview fellow charity founders, volunteers, sponsors, and other people in the community who will share their stories. You will hear and be inspired by their selflessness and passion for helping others. Welcome to another episode of A Community of Caring. I have two special guests today. My first guest is president and co-founder of Game Genius. He is a professional golfer turned entrepreneur who wants to use his love of games, experience design, and philanthropy to inspire social action in local communities. Peter Williams. Peter, how are you? Hi, Jamie. Good. How are you? Good. And my second guest is vice president and co-founder of Game Genius with a background in financial services. His love of play, learning, and novelty are being used to provide social positive impact and social change. Roddy McKenzie. Roddy, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. I'm glad you guys, I know you're so busy, um, but I love your organization and I really am excited for everyone to learn about it. And so, Peter, I want to start out with you. So, professional golfer turned entrepreneur, you started Game Genius. Tell me a little bit about your story. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I kind of laugh every time I tell it. It's, it's a nonlinear story, uh, <laughs> but I try to, try to tie it up in a, a cute little bow. I grew up in, in New Hampshire and a family of educators who really love to use games and play as a means to learn. I just also so happened to really love the sport of golf. I took it up, became a really good amateur golfer and turned pro after school, enjoyed traveling around the world for a few years before taking a step back and thinking, how can I use this love of games to better communities? Um, I studied architecture and geography in school, so really into place and space making. And games are a really interesting, creative outlet when you're thinking about engaging a community. And so I've been hooked for the last five years and really digging into the DC area and seeing how play can influence a place like this, which is is certainly different than my hometown of New Hampshire. So it's been a really fun journey to meet a bunch of nonprofits and change makers who care about all sorts of issues, but offer them a way to play through some of those play through some of those issues, but also recognize that the work that they're doing uh, deserves a bit of joy. On your website, you mentioned that creating whale tail and consensus, consensus. I keep on saying it wrong, um, was one of your favorite makes. Can you explain why that is? Sure. Yeah. It's um, every time we get to create a game, we usually anchor it around some kind of social theme. Census was our very first game, and it was actually a, it was a reflection on, on the 2016 election. So, you know, politics aside, a lot of this was thinking about how polarized we are as a country and how we can have better dialogue. And it was a game to really think about, you know, how can we have a game that reflects coming to the table and talking about issues we don't necessarily agree on? And it's a kind of a weird, you know, almost meta game but we tried to make something fun and kind of then turn it into a a game mechanic that makes people think. 
And because of that, it becomes a very kind of fun thing to facilitate and go into different spaces and see it. And, you know, Roddy and I have gone into all sorts of spaces and helped teams, you know, work through pressure points, help entrepreneurs think about next steps, you know, help nonprofits recognize like what's worth spending time on what's not, you know, how do they, you know, work with each other. And so whenever you can make an impact through a game, it becomes a very influential part of your life. And so consensus was, was a really fun, fun make. The whale tail game, which is now called Splashdown because we figured, you know, we needed a, a catchier name, is a little bit more social and fun. We focused on climate environment issues. It was actually based off of a trip. Uh, my wife went on to Antarctica, lucky her. And uh, she came back and shared all sorts of stories. And I was kind of inspired to think about how can we tell a really cool story about Antarctic species, but also recognize the various climate challenges that that area faces um, with with a lot of the climate warming um, and some of the, the issues in and around the Antarctic belt. And so sharing how that affects different species, but in a kind of a fun, whimsical way. So people can you know, laugh and have fun with each other. It's more of a party game. And that was a make that we finished up last year. Let's go back a little bit to consensus, because I am curious to find out how, give me an example of when you went into an organization and was able to use this game to help with either team building or some sort of conflict resolution. Yeah. So one really maybe topical example for philanthropists out there um, as we brought this game to a group that gives out collective grants, right? So thinking of a giving circle or foundation or any grant-making entity that's multiple people. And at some point, they have to be able to align on what they want to give to, how much to give, in what intervals are they giving. And so this game is, it's almost like a multiple tug of wars happening at the same time, right? So there are kind of multiple debates and you've got to move your tokens around the board to kind of put your energy into those debates. And it's really a visual way of saying what you care about. And so we brought this into a foundation and we put four topics that were really prevalent in the space. Something like, would you rather give one big grant or a bunch of small grants? Would you like to you know, ask for an impact report or would you not want to ask for an impact report? Knowing that that's an administrative burden, but also can help you you know, think about the impact you're making as a foundation. So topics like that, we put them on the board and then people would play this game and the tug of wars could take place. And at the end of the game, you would see where all of the debates lie, right? And that, that gives you a visual representation of how everyone in the room was feeling at that time. And it allowed them to make a pretty quick decision on this is what we should focus on as topic areas, these are things that we don't really care about much. So it's kind of indifferent. Uh, well, let's focus our energy on the things that we align on. And that's a perfect way that consensus-based decision-making can be really influential is, you know, if you come to a decision that everyone can agree on, usually you can move forward pretty fast. But if there's tension in either way, it becomes a little bit more, but it's, it's worth having those conversations. To add on to what Peter was saying, we've mainly used it in the team building and you know professional organization space, but you can even use it in personal family relationship decisions. I've I've done that a couple of times. That's a fun way to talk about something tough, but even you know where to move, where to work, but you're still able to kind of come to decision, but in a playful manner. So it is not only for work. You could have that decision: do you want blue curtains or do you want red curtains? And you know you and your significant other or kid or whatever can help decide. Well, well now Roddy, I'm a little curious of how you've used it in the in your family in a personal way. Yeah, I know that my 
mother and stepfather were debating a few things and couldn't come to conclusions. So I like set up the board from them and <laughs> each there are poles and uh, it's Peter there, there are poles in position. So basically, you know, I put like, I put like a few little decorating components in the house on the and so the way it is set up is each, each round, the move that you decide to take is your most important decision. So you're able to see, able to visually see where you agree on. Um, and so they were kind of able to like, oh, I didn't know that you wanted to live in this city, you know, at the end of the conversation. So it was a fun way to get them to like talk without, in a, without being combative or with a lot of tension. So I love that. In short, Roddy is a lot braver than I am. <laughs> he brings it into a family context. I, I just take it professionally. <laughs> now I'm going to get this game because my husband and I are, are redesigning our house. So we'll see. We'll see if this works and we don't. Well, your house, just from what I can see, looks, it looks beautiful. Too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Peter, I want to ask you because you guys work with a lot of nonprofits. Can you tell me what kind of games that you, there's, a game that kind of sticks out in your head of how it's been um, very, I guess, had a positive impact on a fundraising event. Yeah. So a couple things come to mind. And it's because a lot of the projects we do are so specific to what the nonprofit needs at a particular time. A lot of the work we do is giving creative capacity. And so that could mean a whole number of different things. But on the fundraising side of the equation, I can think of two projects. One is, is probably one of my favorite relationships in the city, which is with President Lincoln's Cottage. They celebrate Lincoln's legacy. They do a really good work kind of in and around that space, but they also serve as a community, a community hub when a crisis or, or some kind of unfortunate event occurs. Pandemic obviously is an extreme example of that, but they've always wanted to you know, be there for people to have those conversations. And so we you know, create a relationship before the pandemic. And as the pandemic came in, we were able to do about 20 game nights with families around the area virtually. Uh, we played just fun kinetic games and just connected with people, but gave, more importantly, a moment for kids who were probably in school at home, parents that were also at home working, a time to connect. And you think that would be fairly simple given everyone's in the same space, but as I'm sure all three of us have seen, it's harder to connect <laughs> in this age than ever. So we wanted to give people a fun way to do that. And I think through that relationship, nonprofits were much more, nonprofit like President Lincoln's Cottage is much more willing to dive into something that is as sensitive as fundraising. And so we, in the last year, developed up a sort of mail series that we called Lincoln Letters. And it was based around a bunch of fables that were, were written around Lincoln. He has a, a great fascination and love of animals. And so we took some of these stories that are in, in the Lincoln, you know, history books and, you know, repurposed them into a fun puzzle mystery game that kids can do at home with their families. But we wanted it to be like a mail home kind of thing. You know, every kid loves getting, I mean, I'm 31 and I still love getting mail. And, you know, getting a, a fun envelope in the mail being, oh my gosh, this is a, you know, it's a letter from Lincoln or, you know, a protagonist of the story and they get to solve this puzzle together. And it, it was a really fun way to connect with community. And I think with that, we can build on a fundraising platform, right? We can go after grants together. We can, we can do a number of different things now with this organization because there's a form of trust. And I think for Roddy and myself, that's the most important thing is you, you need to build that, that area of trust before you go into something like fundraising. And so that was a lot of fun. Other events like 
treasure hunts, uh, we did a really fun event with Phoenix Bikes, which is, you know, a workforce development program, uh, youth development program where they use bikes as kind of the means to grow. And they did uh, do a community ride every year. And we were, you know, approached by them to help think through, again, pandemic time, how do we create a community event? And as a result, you know, put our heads together and, and came up with two really fun concepts that we ran in the fall and the spring of 2020 and 2021, uh, where people would go around and bike to different locations and pick up clues along the way. So, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of a twist to what they were doing, but it allowed them to market it in a, in a novel way. And a lot of people came out and supported. Oh, wow. So I want to talk a little bit about your upcoming events. Roddy, I want to talk to you about them. Um, but first, before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Because you came from finance, and now you're here as a co-founder of Game Genius. Tell me how that, how that worked. Yeah, I studied history in school, but then somehow managed to get in financial services and then also into game design. So non-linear as well. So I, I worked at an impact investing firm based in Bethesda, and they focused on investing in microfinance and uh, SME institutions in uh, developing and frontier markets. And very niche space, and part of them being an impact firm is proving their impact. What are they doing besides trying to make a return on money? How are they socially impacting uh, the communities they're investing in? And so through that, through that venture, I met Peter. He was working with one of my teammates making a, a social game, uh, telling our story of, of how microfinance improves the lives of individuals in these countries. And so by playing this game, not only does it build empathy with this player profile that you are, that you are somehow picked in the game, but you are also seeing how making loans or uh, having proper insurance can positively impact you financially. And so when you go through this game, you see, oh, wow, microloans and you know, this sort of work actually does impact people because you're able to kind of feel either the precarious situations they live in, or you, you come to the conclusion, oh, having a lot of money in the beginning of this game actually does, it does positively impact your life. And so this game helped tell the story of what my organization was doing. Um, and so that's how I met Peter through that venture, through that project. I said, you know, this is something I would like to do more of. And so then I, I contacted Peter as I was thinking about changing a few things in my career and we've been working ever since then. So. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about how you guys have a theme. So if you go onto your website, and I actually played this, you guys have the escape room, which was climate change kind of themed, right? And I had a lot of fun with it. I actually had my husband come in because it's been a while since I played a game. So it like took me a minute for <laughs> my brain to be able to work. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I got it. Um, so you're trying to escape these rooms. And it's it's so much fun. So anybody that's listening, please go onto the website, play this. You're really going to love it. Um, So I want to know a little bit about your obviously 2021 was climate change, correct? Correct. And so what is your theme for this year? What's 2022? And then tell me a little bit about the escape room and the how you guys came up with that. So this year, the theme is literacy. And uh, literacy is you know being like well-versed in a subject. And so we work with a lot of organizations that have, have a literacy theme. And it's like, well, we're going to make this our social impact theme. And so each year we have one. The first year was women's history, 2020, the crazy year. Prior to the pandemic, we picked as mental health, and so it ended up being appropriate for the year. Last year was climate and environment, and this year we are going to be focusing on literacy. 
that is the theme for the year. We're still figuring out the subcomponents of that it could be financial literacy. It could be, you know, political literacy, but it, that's going to be the theme for the year. Um, and we will be having a few events that are, that are focused on that. The first event will be play week, which we're going to have in March. And play week is a week long event where we, we bring the community together, change makers to help design our upcoming fall event, which is the district hunt. Annually, we have our district hunt event, which is centered around our impact theme, uh, using, again, the community to go around the city of D.C. and not only learn about organizations, but have fun uh, going around and uh, figuring out our puzzle. So what would be some of the feedback that you got from your last um, district hunt? Yeah, I... Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. It was our most successful hunt. So each year it has improved in terms of players and, and partners. I think we had someone that completed, I think, first of all, me and Peter didn't believe it. We had someone that completed it within, what, 48 hours after lunch? <laughs> and we thought it would take people, you know, a few days to figure it out, but they did it all in the middle of the night, which made it a lot faster. I think the main feedback we, we get is that it's fun, it's engaging if people take the time to actually, you know, not get defeated by the puzzles, they, they end up having a, a pretty good time. Are you and Peter, are you guys the ones that are coming up with all of the puzzles and everything for the district hunt? Uh, no. So that's that's part of where our play week and then the our design week, which we're doing in play week, we bring the community and change makers together. And then we help together. We come up with clues and, and puzzles um, as a team. Oh, that is so fun. OK, so you get everybody's input and yes. then you make this yep. district hunt so much more fun because you have input from the community. Correct. So can you tell me how can someone, if I'm, this sounds like a lot of fun, how can I get involved? Yeah, I would say the best way to get involved is to go to our website and you can, you know, sign up for our newsletter or, or, or our sign up at the bottom of the page. This week we are, this year we're having our play week on Eventbrite. If you go there and you sign up, you'll be in the loop on when events are happening, how to volunteer. And more of that information will be coming out over the next few weeks. So that'll be the, that's the easiest way. Yeah, there are going to be a couple, a couple workshops, as Roddy was mentioning in March, that we're going to try to bring people in kind of on a project to project basis. One of the big things we learned over the last year is that we need to kind of break up the game design process in a way that helps people think through uh, that whole experience. And some people are really into making puzzles. Some people are really interested in writing a story. Some people are really interested to promote it to their friends. And so in play week, we're going to focus on the story and the puzzle making. Uh, and it will be kind of like a weekend, you know, couple hour session that people can come in and jam and come on ideas. And we'll probably do it virtually given where we are in the pandemic and kind of where everyone is around the city. Um, but it'll be a way for people to, to come together either as an individual or as a family team group and share some of their perspectives so that we can add it to them. That is fantastic. Now, I know that, Roddy, you had on the website. And this is not, I guess, too far-fetched because you were in finance, but some of your favorite makes uh, were Bankable and Prosper. Can you tell me a little bit about why that is? So Bankable was the game I was talking about earlier that was helping people learn about microfinance. Essentially, just this was like basic credit loan type of game, uh, but using the context of my previous organization. In terms of Prosper, that is a game in development that we are potentially thinking of using as the game of the year. So each year we've created a game. Last year was Splashdown, focused on our climate environment theme. 
this year we're thinking of potentially using Prosper. This is still in the works, but Prosper is a financial literacy game that teaches the basics of, of investments and different types of assets and how they perform in different markets. Um, and so that game, we started last year, uh, but we it's in the works, but that's been a, been a fun build and right up my alley in terms of what, I, what I've been doing in the past. You know, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about this would be perfect for kids because I, you know, my husband's in finance and sometimes when he talks to our younger kids, they kind of stare at him with this blank stare uh, because he's just talking numbers and showing like a chart, right? And that's very hard, I think, for myself included to learn that way and definitely for children. So I think the way that you guys are presenting information is that people are able to learn and not even know that they are learning, right? Because they're having so much fun while they're doing it. Yeah, that's the point. And you mentioned, I didn't really get a chance to talk about the escape rooms. The escape rooms are a standalone game that don't necessarily require us to be in the room like a lot of our other facilitations or designs. But you're solving a puzzle. You know, hopefully it's not too difficult. I know you played one of them, but you're also learning just very small light touch facts on whatever the impact theme or or sub theme is for the escape room. Um, So yeah, you're exactly right. It should be it should be a fun and almost unconscious way of learning. That's the hope that we hope people are taking away from some of our events. So you're playing, but you're also learning about change makers. You're playing, but you're also learning about how this affects the, the environment, at least regarding our theme last year. So is there anything that we haven't covered that you guys think is important for people to know? So I think uh, we've covered a lot. There are obviously, you know, we're always happy to have conversations with people who are interested in bringing play more into their lives, or if they have an organization that they really love. We're not just, you know, putting ourselves in the bucket of literacy this year in terms of who we support, but it is a way for us to build those deeper relationships. And so, you know, you mentioned, yeah, there's so many different uh, ways to intersect literacy, you know, as Roddy was sharing kind of the financial or technical literacy or cultural or social or, you know, all of these different subjects, it gives us a lot of opportunities to learn and grow ourselves. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is just to play more. I think, you know, in this, in really difficult times, we're seeing uh, a big, you know, moment of people leaving the workforce. We're seeing a lot of these kind of trends where folks are either not feeling like they belong in a space anymore, or they don't feel like they uh, have found their their kind of life's work, play can really help bring a lot of that context into people's lives. And that's what we're trying to, to kind of showcase and highlight other people who are in and around this too. So, you know, Roddy mentioned escape rooms. There are real physical escape rooms when you feel safe to do so in the city, go out and play them and you'll see how people try to tell stories through play. And I think with just a little bit of reflection, you can start to see what kinds of games you like, and that ultimately helps us design experiences that people like. Roddy, do you have anything that you want to add? Yeah, I think it's reiterating. It's, it's telling a story, and I, I would say all of our games do that, uh, whether it's bankable, whether it's prosper, whether it's, whether it's consensus, and that playing, playing with others, you know, it's a way to express yourself. And Like I said, you play the game and you know, you might learn your your own temperament or how angry you get at something or this person really is laughing at, you know, this this funny joke. You just learn, you learn a lot by playing. And as Peter said, just get out and play more. Play doesn't have to be only for children. It's something that, you know, we can do at all ages and should and should be doing uh, all the time. So 
I made a joke. I made a joke recently saying that the you know I occasionally jump on LinkedIn to see kind of what's happening in the in the working world, and I made a joke that if I ever see two fun play related titles in the headlines, that I'll post some you know random hot take on on a game that's out there. And it happened yesterday uh, as two like big stories hit the news. One was an acquisition. Microsoft bought out a big game game company, and you know there's this game that's going around called Wordle. I don't know if you've played Wordle, but it's it's a great example of how like people. It's just time and space. Sometimes it you know it's a game that's been out forever. If you've ever played Mastermind or watched the game show Lingo, it's kind of like you're trying to guess an order of it was colorful pegs. In this case, you're just guessing a word, and it's it's kind of taken over. The community by storm because it has these social aspects. It has you know a limited number of plays per day, and that you can just start to see when you play a lot of games, game mechanics pulling out what we really like to do as a society. And I think that reflection is always interesting, kind of nerdy and and different. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you know, Roddy and I are here to talk to you because we can we can jam on that all day. For everybody that is very excited about Game Genius, can you tell me your website and social media handles they can follow you? Yes, you can find us at gamegenius.org and our social media handles are at gamegeniusdc. Love this. And I want to thank you guys for what you're doing because you're not only helping kids not know that they're learning by playing a game, but adults too. So I was playing some of your games and I had no idea that I was learning about climate change and all of this fun stuff, but I had all of these uh, cool little tidbits to tell my family after I was done playing and I didn't even know. So I, I think a lot of people learn best that way. And so I really do think you guys are making a huge impact on the community and I cannot wait for the district hunt because I will be there. I will be trying to win. I probably won't, but I will try. <laughs> so I you wanna... got your practice in. You're ready. <laughs> <laughs> and um, definitely everybody go on the website, do the escape room consensus. You can get on there. Um, just look around the website, learn a lot. You have some really great actual um, TED talks. And I listened to a few of them and it is some really like wild information that about gaming that I had no idea about how it affects, you know, gaming and learning and how many people are gaming per year. It was really great. So everybody take a look through that website, listen to some of the TED Talks, play the games and um, make sure to be a part of obviously the district hunt because that's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you again, Peter and Roddy for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. All right. Thanks, Jamie, for having us. Of course. And thank you for all the listeners to tuning in to another episode of A Community of Caring. Until next time, everyone. If you would like to learn more about our organization, please follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities or Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities or check out our website, trumancharities.com. I hope you enjoyed listening and hearing stories of selflessness and caring. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time.